Welcome to Weekly Parsha Insights. Parsha's boy. So this week, I'd like to begin with a shocking question and then a scary question. And the, by the time we've finished, I hope you I hope you will be neither shocked nor scared. <laughs> okay. So the shocking question is: Was Golos Mitzrayim a success or a failure? Golos Mitzrayim as a mission preordained by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. now in this week's Hedra, as we reach the end of it, I want to ask the question and discuss, was it a success or a failure? That's the shocking question. Now, let's build the question clearly. So, Pasuk Dvarim says, Vayetzi Eschem Mikor HaBarazal Mitzrayim, and this is repeated elsewhere in the Torah as well, and Chazal are full of it, that Mitzrayim is described as a Kor HaBarazal, and that's translated as an iron blast furnace. In other words, there was a purpose in Klal Yisrael going through Mitzrayim to become purified, to come out the other end better off and ready to accept the Torah. However, you will know the famous Rashi in this week's Sedra, when we talk about the Makkah of Choshech, it is also a Rashi at the beginning of Beshalach, and it actually comes from a Mechilta. Mechilta says that four-fifths of Klal Yisrael died in Choshech because they didn't want to leave. Rashi here says they were Rishoyim. So let's think about that for a moment. That means the majority, the four-fifths of Klal Yisrael, ended up at the end of Mitzrayim having to die because they weren't going out with the rest of Eden. Well, if I ask you a question, whether a mission is success or failure... Surely the first thing you'd do is say, well, did it work for most people? And the answer is no, seemingly. That's part one of the question. And part two is, we know, and the Chazal again are full of all different memorials. We're going to quote one, the Medrash that says, by Kriyas Yamsuf, the Malochim turned to Takadish Baruch Hu and said about the Yidden and the Mitzrayim who were both there, Halalu the Halalu both seem to be serving we don't see a difference between them. Well, again, if the whole point of Golos, the whole point of Golos Mitzrayim, was to bring the Klal Yisrael to a point of purification, a point where they would be ready to be Mechabal the Torah, to be Avdei Hashem, that was the Tachlis, that was the Te'eles, and being hundreds of years in the servitude and the suffering of Mitzrayim. And you've ended up in a situation where the Malochim cannot see the difference between Klal Yisrael and the Mitzrayim, what sort of purification was this then? Would you call this a successful mission? So that's the shocking question. And here's the scary question that follows that. We're going to get into this a bit more later, but just for the sake of the question, in order to build the clarity, the Gemara Sanhedrin, Kofiut Aleph Amadalaf, at least the way Rashi learns the Gemara, says that in the same way that people died in Mitzrayim, people will die in the forthcoming Geula. So my scary question is, that sounds like 
and many Mepharshim explain this to me, to mean that four-fifths of Klal Yisrael will once again be wiped out before Gula's, the Gula is coming. So my scary question is, well, that sounds a bit scary. How can we make sure we're one of the fifths and not the four-fifths? So let's begin by looking at Makas Choshech itself. We made reference to the Rechazal, but let's go through it properly. So in Makas Choshech, in this etc., Rashi asks a strange-sounding question. Rashi says, Why did Hashem bring the Makkah of Choshech? Now, it's a very strange question to ask, because to the best of my knowledge, he doesn't ask about any other Makkahs. Now, we understand every Makkah has its reason, every Makkah is Milik and all the rest of it. But why is Rashi bothered, particularly by Choshech? Why is Hashem bringing Choshech? And Rashi gives two answers, both from Chazal. The first one is, because Yisrael Ba'isa Hadoi were a shoim and they didn't want to go out and therefore they had to die in the days of darkness. Kadesh Yiru Mitzrim Mapolosom, so the Mitzrim should not um, see the fall of the of those Yidden. And the second reason Rashi gives is this is more famous perhaps, that Kladisol should be able to go into the houses of the Mitzrim, check out what they had, in order to prepare themselves for the great taking off the Kalim when it came time for the Gula. So in, this, in terms of this question as to why Rashi is bothered here, particularly by Choshech, the Bartanura explains that the whole point of the Makkas and the Ramban at the end of this week's Parashat Boy is very, very famous for elaborating on this point. But the, the, the whole point of the Makkas was to bring out Koyach Hashem. So that it should be very clear that Kodesh Baruch is in charge. Now, says the Bartanura, the way the Mitzrayim would have learned this would have been because every Makkah that hit them did not hit the Yidden. So they had blood, the Yidden had water, right? And that would be apparent all the way through. So therefore the lesson of Hashem's in charge would be crystal clear. Says the Baratuno, but it came to Choshech, it was so intense and so dark, the Mitzrayim would have no clue, <laughs> wouldn't have been able to notice even, that for the Yidden it was light in their place. So that, that's what bothered Rashi to ask, why did Hashem bring Choshech? In other words, what was the point of putting the Mitzrayim in such an intense darkness if they couldn't even see in that moment the distinction between the Mitzrayim and the Yidden, and therefore the clarity that Hashem's in charge would have been lost? Another option to explain Rashi is from the Kleyoka. The Kleyoka says that the opportunity for Paroi to do Tshuva throughout the Makkas was possible in the middle of the Makkah as the Makkah was going. In fact, we know in Makkas Bechiris, that was that's the famous song, Paroi in pajamas in the middle of the night. He ran around trying to look for Moshe Rabbeinu because he wanted to stop the Makkah. Pachoshe, however, being that it was so intense and dark and they couldn't move and all the rest of it, there was no chance of Paroi doing Tshuva in the middle of the Makkah. So again, Rashi puts the question, Pachoshe Davka, why was Choshech brought? Not why was Choshech brought, but why was, there an, why was there a necessity for this type of intensity of the Makkah, which according to Kleoka, did not allow the parish to do tshuva, even if he wanted to. And that's why Rashi comes up from Chazal with other reasons that were part of the Cheshbon here. In terms of those who died in Choshech, we'll address our question in a moment, but just to, I've always, it's always bothered me the concept that there were Yidin and Mitzrayim who did not want to leave Mitzrayim. It's, I know there's a, there's, a, there's a concept of the Stockholm Syndrome, where a person, the captive, becomes favorable towards the captor. But it's really astonishing to think the Yidin, surely being offered a chance of freedom, would have jumped at it, whatever that freedom entailed. And it's always bothered me, and you could say all sorts of shotting, but the Medrash Shmois Rabbah says, there were Poshim be Yisrael, that... They had honor, sorry, they had riches and they had honor, 
and they didn't want to leave. It's very interesting, riches and olive. Obviously, we know they didn't they didn't work hard once the Makkahs began. So they had a few months of reprieve, and they because by selling their water and by you know protecting the animals potentially, they had m- moments where they were able to make lots of money off the Mitzrayim. But still, it sounds a bit strange. And I had once a rebel in school who put it to us, and it's quite it's quite poignant when you think about it. You know, imagine imagine the scene. You've saved up money for the holiday of a lifetime. You can detail it as you wish, okay? But use your imagination. The holiday of a lifetime, you've put years of savings towards it. It's really one, you know, the one-off thing. And you're, um, you've got the itinerary planned. You've got all the food planned. Everything's really, really in order. You're ready to go. And you're about to step out of your house into the car to go for this week-long holiday. And it's the holiday of a lifetime. And someone tells you, Moshiach's just arrived. Will you be ecstatic at that moment? Or will you think, oh, come on, just one more week. Just give me another week in Golas. In other words, it's all very nice for us to stand here and judge, oh, what do you mean you didn't want to go out of Mitzrayim? Mitzrayim is a terrible place. Well, thank you very much. But actually, for that time, they were enjoying themselves. They had Oisha, they had COVID, they, had, they were all right. It took a person with perspective of understanding that there's a greater purpose to life. And unfortunately, some Yidin didn't have that. I just thought I'd throw that in there because it gives us some sort of explanation as to why on earth there were Yidin that didn't want to go out. But Rav Shimon Schwab writes a Dvar Chidush, which... I haven't seen anywhere else, but I'm going with it because it gives a lot of chizuk. He asked the question, and if Rabbi Shimon Shvab asks the question, I can ask the question. According to the Mechilta, we said four fifths of Klai Yisrael died. Have you any idea of the numbers here? The Mechilta has two shot him. Either it was a fifth of Klai Yisrael that came out, or a five hundredth of Klai Yisrael that came out. He said, either way, you're talking about tens of millions of Yidden dying. We know that a few million came out. So tens of millions of million of Yidin dying. He said this would be a worse hit to the Yidin than all the Makkas combined were to the Mitzrayim. In terms of life. Life lost. I saw when I was researching this Indian and looking at various different things, I saw I came across an article that was entitled The Forgotten Holocaust of Egypt. And that's what this was. It's a holocaust. If you take the Midrash, Midrashic Pshat, Literally, that is what happened. And it's, it's, so it's astonishing in, in its own right. But you don't find anywhere a mention of it in the Torah. I mean, we know the Chazal talk about it, but it's not like, it's not even like we take a moment and we say, you know, on the one hand, it was so amazing that night, Hashem took us out, but on the other hand, it's never crying out loud. Okay, they were Tamid Rebbe Kiva, but they died for an Avera, right? They didn't die just because whatever. We spent the whole, the whole sphere non-stop in Avera's because of them. That was 24,000 Tamidim. You're talking about millions of Yidin, not a mention, not a word, garnished. It's very strange. So Rav Shimon Shvab explains as follows. That when Cain killed Hevel, you find Loshna Posuk, that the voice of the blood of your brother is crying out to me from the ground. And the Gemara in Sanhedrin Amad Zayin says, when it says, it means, his blood and the blood of his future generations. Mm-hmm. Because after all, once Cain had killed Hevel, that was it. Hevel was cut off, and there was no future generations to talk of. So the, the blood that was crying out, so to speak, the loss of life that was apparent at that point, wasn't just the loss of Hevel, but it was all his generations to come. Says of Shimon Schwab. When we calculate the loss of these lives, we are not just calculating the Yidden that died in Choyshech. Because the Yidden that died in Choyshech were only a few. There's always a few bad apples in a, bar, in, a, in a barrel. There were a few Rishoyim that died. What we're calculating is 
the decades that followed and the, the lives that were lost in the ensuing years of all of these people's generations. By these people being killed off, they effectively lost their future generations. And therefore, when we say that incredible number, if it's 30 million, 300 million, we're talking, the Machloik, as he says, is when do you calculate it till? Either you calculate it perhaps till 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 Mikdash, that would be one figure maybe. Maybe you calculate it all the way till Saifkal Adiris. Well, of course, you get to hundreds of million then, right? So the figure, says of Shimon Schwab, that we're talking of here, when we say four fifths, we don't mean the immediate deaths of four fifths of the current population in Mitzrayim of Kalisol, rather we mean to take a view uh, in terms of all the future generations that were lost and put that into Cheshbon. Four-fifths of Kalisol, of what would have been Kalisol, were lost. Rishim Shvab says that this makes a lot of sense because Rashi, we quoted, said that they died in Cheshach so that the, the Mitzrayim shouldn't chap. Oh, great. 30 million people pop it overnight and you don't chap? Come on. There wasn't 30 million people. But if you didn't show him, they didn't, they didn't realize Taka. Good, no? Now let's look at the Gemara Sanhedrin that I quoted in the question very briefly. The Gemara Sanhedrin says that Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim, what happened by Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim was two out of 600,000 came out of Mitzrayim. Two out of every 600,000. Forget the maths for a minute, just hear the Gemara. And uh, Rava says, That's what will be in the times of Mashiach, two out of every 600,000. Rashi explains this by saying it refers to all of those that died in Choshech. Which in itself is a pellet awesome because the numbers are just astronomical. And that follows, says Rashi, Mashiach. That will only have two out of every 600,000 to survive. Again, shocking, scary. But the Ben Yodah disagrees with Rashi. The Ben Yodah, first of all, comments on Rashi's chat. He says, It's a pele to say that so many people died in Choshech, which is interesting because it does lend support to Shimon Shvab then. Ben Yodah is like, it doesn't make sense to say that. He says, Pshat. We mean when we say in the Gemara of 600,000, we're not talking about specifically people who died in Choshech. We're talking about every lost soul throughout Shibud Mitzrayim. So over the entire 210 years, and we know many, many lives were lost, right? They were killed, they were beaten, they were put under the bricks, they were thrown into the Nile. There was loads of opportunities for the Mitzrayim to kill the Yidden. So if you take all that into Cheshbon, and you put all those numbers together, says, says the Beni Yodah, then two out of every 600,000 ended in the end, ended up in the end, leaving Mitzrayim. But it wasn't the case that 599,000, etc., right, died. It was just taking into Cheshbon, taking a view. It's taking all the numbers of everyone who had ever gone and taking a view from there. But for me, this, tying this up with the Beni Yodah together with Shem Shvab, I get a tremendous chizik from this, because I'll be honest, it's been on my mind, the question I asked at the beginning. Firstly, we, once you remove the four-fifths out of the equation, and you explain it in the way we've done, either by Rosh Hashanah saying, you look, take into account the future generations, or like Benyadah saying, take into account all the tens of millions that died throughout Shibud Mitzrayim, 
then you become to a bit of a lighter conclusion as to how many people are actually going to die before Mashiach comes. Because V'cheni Mosheh Mashiach also means something else now. V'cheni Mosheh Mashiach means taking into account, unfortunately, many, 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 many massacres and all sorts of troubles that Christ have gone through the Godless. Yes, of all them, a very small minority will be left. The Sherez up later. But ultimately, Be'ezah Hashem is Barach, we, we should be part of that minority. But let's address the second part of that question we asked, which was the spiritual level of Kali Yisrael. So we mentioned already, there's another Medrash. The Medrash says, when Kali Yisrael were instructed to take the Korban Pesach, the Lashon Apostle is, Mishchu Kechulochem. And the Medrash says, Mishchu Yedeyam Me'avodah Zorah. Can you imagine? You're talking about Kali Yisrael have been through all the Makkas. They've seen Yad Hashem in a ways that we can only dream of. So absolutely clear to them. They've even said, they've even believed in Hashem. This has been a journey for them over months. And they've still got Avodah Zorah in the house. How come Klal Yisrael came to such, someone mentioned before, that the Arizal, they came 49th level of Tumah. They, they, they were bad news. How come? How come that's possible? So, Beis Alevi and Drushvov said something which I've never heard before. And he writes, a whole arichas there, you can check it out. I'm going to say only a few short points from it. Besides, for the physical labor that Klal Yisrael was subject to in Mitzrayim, the physical pain and servitude that they had as a result of the Mitzrayim having the upper hand over them, greater than that, says the Beis Alevi, was the desire of Paroi and therefore Mitzrayim to rid Klal Yisrael of any spirituality whatsoever. That was their main goal. And he brings a Yalkut. The Yalkut says, they told Klal Yisrael, don't do Brismila, and you'll get less work to do. In other words, says the Beis HaLevi, Klal Yisrael were put through tremendous trials, where... They were basically, he calls them Anusim. They were basically forced off the derech. They were forced to lose all those values and traditions and spirituality that they held so dear for all those years from their forefathers, from our forefathers. They were forced to, to leave it all. Parry had such a, a subtle way, as we mentioned from the, the Yalka, but, you know, such a, such a um, I'm not looking, it's not, the word not subtle, the word is um, shrewd way. Manipulative way of getting Klal to do his bidding to make them lose that connection to the past. So much so, the Beis Alevi brings also from Chazal, but he says it himself that um, when in this week's Sedra, when, when Moshe Rabbeinu says, Let's go serve Hashem in, in, in the Midbar, Paroi said, Paroi reluctant. Now, if you think about it, if you think purely from a workforce perspective, you've had these guys 210 years, they've done a decent job, built pyramids, all sorts of things, give them a three day break. What's going to happen? They'll come back refreshed. They'll be revigorated. It makes sense from a workforce perspective to give you guys a bit of time off after all these years. What's he, what's he care so much? He thought they were coming back after three days, right? You're not, you're not, not pulling wool over his eyes. That's what he thought. So why are you busy? Oh, you... Because what they wanted to do was serve Hashem. That power couldn't handle. After all these years, you want to go for a break. And what do you want to do in the break? You want to serve Hashem? No way. That was his matara. That was the point of his whole of his servitude for Paroi. Blot out spirituality. And says the Beis Alevi, the whole period of the Makkas was a mission by HaKadosh Baruch Hu to rebuild Klal Yisrael's Amunah. It was for Klal Yisrael 
so that they should see once again HaKadosh Baruch Hu's in charge and be reminded of that which Hashem appeared to Avram and to Yitzchak and to Yaakov. All the basic values of Yiddishkeit which were already in their, in their bloodstream but had been blotted out after all these years from Paray's work. The process of the Makkas were in order for Klalizol to be reminded of the spiritual journey of which they are a part. And the truth is, says the Beis Alevi, we didn't get to perfection. We were, we still had, at the point of Gutlas Mitzrayim, we still, we needed chusim, we needed this and that. We were not purified 100%. Says the Beis Alevi, but that's all by Gulas Mitzrayim. But by the Gula Asida, Gula to come, HaKadosh Baruch is not going to do it unless we're at perfection of purity. And that's why the Gemara in Sanhedrin Sadizayin and Mubay says, Oma Rav, the whole discussion there about the timing for Mashiach says, Rav, kolu kol All the times scheduled for Mashiach's arrival is all long past. That's not what HaKadosh Baruch is waiting for the right time. All HaKadosh Baruch is waiting for is Tshuva and Maisam Tovim. We've done proper Tshuva, Mashiach will come. And this fits with the Beis HaLevi. Beis HaLevi says, Goy Gumogoyk. Maybe there'll be physical Torah, fine. But the main challenge, says the Beis HaLevi, is going to be spirituality. Similar to Parei Mitzrayim. We will be enticed away from values and from uh, uh, rich Torah, Torah Masairah. We'll be, we'll be encouraged away from there. That's what the challenge of Gogi Gemara will be. That's what Beis HaLevi writes. So to sum up, we asked, first of all, we were asking... Was Golos Mitzrayim as a mission, was it a success or was it a failure? Given that we said from Chazal, it seems most of Kaisol died. We also see the Madrega that Kaisol were on. It seems it wasn't a very big success. And we are saying now from the Rav Shimon Shvar, from Ben Yodo, that it's not necessarily, and I understand it's a minority view, but it's not necessarily the way to learn the Chazal that fourth of Kaisol died. It could very well be that that figure is not accurate in the way we think. And what it means is, of course, most of the Klaisol that were alive at the time of the Makkas came through and left Mitzrayim. But there were a large portion over time who did not. And the second thing regarding their spiritual level, with the Beis HaLevi, we have a new understanding how, yes, they were not at a very good level. But that was as a result of Paroi's independent Bechira. That was Paroi's work to um, do us down spiritually. But the essence of the Korah Barzel was clearly Avdus. That's the essence of Korah Barzel. The essence of Korah Barzel, the purification process that Hashem clearly had intended, was for us to taste Avdus so that we could then move, transition into being Avde Hashem in the same uh, mindset of being slaves, slaves like Rishbachus Rotson. That's clearly what was the point. Paroi took it further than that. And that's, that's why the intervention from Rishbachus was required to save us in the last moment, basically, the 49th level, to come and grab us and make sure we didn't fall too far. Following that, we asked, what's going to be the end of days? So I'm hopeful that to be part of the four-fifths of Klal Yisrael shouldn't be, that, shouldn't be that, that hard, because majority of those who are alive today hopefully will still be alive when Mashiach comes. But we have to be Isaac and Shuvah Masim Tovim. In order to get Mashiach, we have to uh, try and look to, to become better people. And I just want to end... With a quotation from the Evan Shleimer, I just find it so remarkable. The Gone at the end of his Sefer, Evan Shleimer, talks about the time of Mashiach. And he says that there will be a great purification moment 
where um, we'll, we, you know Yishmael will be attacked and Esau will be attacked because they're all you know the, we want to get rid of them. But he says we won't be um, at purification level until we get rid of the Erev Rav. And he says, who are the Erev Rav? And he lists five categories of people who are the Erev Rav. Number one, Baalei Machlekes Loshon Hara. Number two, Baalei Taiva. Number three, people who are Ein Teicham Kebaram. They're not authentic. Number four, Roidfim Achar Kovit. And five, Roidfim Achar Momoin. Just for the sake of gathering more money. So we've got our work cut out for us. At least to make sure we shouldn't be part of the Eir of Rav. Because if we're part of the Eir of Rav, then we're really screwed. Don't be part of the Eir of Rav. Look to do tshuva and HaKadosh Baruch will help and the Gullah will come back of Mamish. Hashem.